Milton wrote The other 51 How do you write like you're running out of time? Write day and night like you're running out of time Every day you fight like you're running out of time Like you're running out of time Are you running out of time? How do you write like tomorrow won't arrive? How do you write like you needed to survive? How do you write every second you're alive? Every second you're alive? Every second you're alive? Jenny Carlson, welcome to The Other 51. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, Brian. Such a such an honor. I appreciate it. So I wanted to start off with uh, congratulating you on one of the funniest things I've seen on Facebook in a long time. Uh, it was a few. <laughs> I, it was last week when you posted. It was after, I don't know, somebody got fired at the White House, and you posted on how you relate to everything going on with the Trump administration through the lens of West Wing. And I wanted to say thank you because I do the same thing myself. Yeah, you know, it's I, I, I follow politics. I follow news. I'm probably one of those, you know, weirdo sports people that does that. But I still have a hard time remembering, like, who does what and who's what and how, you know, high ranking they are. And so, yeah, I've, now that there's so much constant turnover in the White House, I use that as sort of what, you know, the West Wing is my barometer. It's like, oh, my God, they filed they fired Leo McGarry. You can't just fire Leo. That doesn't happen. Right. So, yeah. So West Wing, thank you very, very much. It, 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 it's weird because obviously it's fictional and obviously nobody at the Trump White House should ever be compared with Leo McGarry. For obvious reasons, right? But but at the right. same but at the same time, it does kind of weirdly give you that context of chief of staff was fired. Oh oh, that's that's a big honking deal. That's not just like some guy at a desk. Yeah yeah exactly yeah. Last night uh, we were actually just last night watching the uh, episodes. I think it's like season four or five when. The president's daughter gets kidnapped, and um, there was uh, a couple comments made during the episode we were watching, like, Leo will know what to do. Right. And so, <laughs> you know, in my head, I'm like, did Rance Priebus really know what to do? Uh, were we sure? Like, how did that work out? Yeah. So it's a, it's a constant reminder. I, I, we should probably start something else, frankly, to ease my mind about what's going on in our actual country. But uh, I use our fictional country as some sort of a weird barometer nowadays. It's funny you mentioned that that part of the show because we we, we were doing a rewatch too. My wife had never seen the show. I I don't know. uh, Against all odds, I married her anyway, but she had never seen the show. And so uh, right around inauguration, we started a rewatch, which was great for me. And we started from season one, and she loves it, of course. But we got to, like, mm-hmm. early season – yeah, we got through season three, and then we got into season four, and then life got in the way, and we tailed off. But we're just getting to that point. So as a West Wing fan, what are your thoughts on – obviously, the first three three seasons are gold. But after, like, Zoe's kidnapping – spoiler alert if you haven't seen it – but after Zoe's kidnapping and then the, the post-Sorkin seasons, what are your views on that? You know, I think when um, when I watched it before, um, I don't remember where I kind of got to. We, my husband and I are actually talking about this just last night because I, I have a strong recollection of all of the stuff happening right now. But the later, later episodes, like seasons, eight seasons, I think, um, whatever the number is, I'm not sure I saw it to the bitter end. And, and I do say bitter because I have heard that the Sorkin non years are uh, or year not exactly great so i mean you may have to have me back on to to fully <laughs> dissect this 
because it will be fresh in my mind here in, you know, not too long. But, uh, yeah, I've heard that it is not sort of up to the level. But, I mean, when you look at how good it is, like, it's hard to imagine that, you know, the standard is so high. It's really amazing, the writing and the... I mean, it's it's really top notch stuff. I don't watch a lot of TV. I'm I'm sort of I don't know. It just doesn't appeal to me as much as it once upon a time did. But this is I mean, maybe this is why. Maybe you just don't find many series that are of this level that you can really sink your teeth into and enjoy as much as as that. It is kind of like The Simpsons in that when it's when it was great, it was so great that anything else kind of that, that that standard doesn't quite live up to it. But as someone who writes professionally and I know in my writing career I've looked to the West Wing and had West Wing on while writing for inspiration, what about the writing of that show is so kind of magical or kind of speaks to us as writers, do you think? You know, that's a that's a great question, and you know, I was um, I was thinking about that a little bit, a variation on it. The other night, they were um, in one of the episodes. They were breaking in the um, the new intern, the the speech writing interns that were working with Will Bailey, the character that took over when Sam Seaborn went and ran for Congress, and um, you know, they were reading through some of the stuff that. Um, these young girls supposedly had written and, you know, and then there was sort of the rewrite. And, you know, it's just, I think a lot about writing is very scientific. You know, the way that you write, um, especially when you're talking about um, journalism, nonfiction, you know, there's a there's a formula to a large degree of how you want to do uh, a, a column, a story, whatever, um, how you want to report, how you want to layer, those sorts of things. So I think a lot of times, you know, writing is seen as something that is almost magical or mysterious. And I think for the most part, it's more science um, than anything. But that sequence, and I think it speaks to a larger point that, you know, writing that is really elevated art because it has a rhythm and a cadence and a flow and whether you're reading those words uh, on a printed page or whether you're hearing those words being spoken I think that that is where the art of it comes in Um, you know I think too many times writers that I see are really focused on the art of it all making it sound pretty and flowery and flow and all that stuff and they forget some of the uh, ingredients in the the formula in the science of it, and they maybe aren't reporting stories the way that they should to really then add the substance to that style. But the really good stuff it does get elevated with how it flows, the rhythm that's there, those themes that get repeated, those um, you know I, I don't it lyrical. I guess it's just the lyrical nature of it that. Um, really takes it to another level when you've got that deep-rooted reporting, that layering, that ability to construct a story that, you know, makes sense in a technical way, but then also has those elements that really sing when you read them off the page. So from your perspective in, in, as a columnist, uh, what are the, those ingredients for a column for you? You know, it probably changes. It's probably somewhat different depending on um, 
it looks a little different depending on the nature of that column. But, you know, I think first and foremost is homework done. Now, whether that's, you know, firsthand reporting, whether that's a lot of background reading um, on a subject, uh, you know, what what's out there, what have, you know, beat writers written about a certain subject, what's knowable, what can I call and ask somebody about, uh, maybe that's not an interview, but that gives me some perspective and some understanding on something. So I think you have to be really um, as well-versed on your subject as you possibly can be, which is a challenge as a columnist um, or an enterprise writer, features writer, those sorts of things, because, you know, you're basically, you know, an expert in nothing, but every day you have to have a, uh, have an opinionated take on something. And so I think it's really important to be as well-versed as possible. I really depend on our beat writers here. Um, I've never shied away from asking them, hey, you know, what do I need to know about this? What am I not thinking about? Um, Would you read this draft? Would you make sure that there's not a nuance or a, um, you know, just a, a slight change that maybe, you know, would better reflect what you know to be true? That's always been my way of operating. And so, you know, at the end of the day, the opinion is still mine. What I think to be true is still what I'm going to write about. But um, I really do try to, you know, have as much grounded information um, behind everything I write, uh, columns, you know, longer form stuff, whatever. So I think doing the homework is the first thing, you know, and then, you know, I think you have to, I think you have to build it, um, you know, in some logical order. I oftentimes tell some of our younger writers that, you know, the easiest is often the best. Chronological, in a lot of instances, is the way you want to go. I mean, it becomes the spine of things. You know, even the best stuff, I think, flows really well when it's told chronologically. So, you know, those are a couple sort of big things that I always am trying to think about. Um, you know, and then you want to be engaging. I think, you know, there are some things as a columnist I'm going to write about that, you know, if I if I say, you know, two or three key words, you know, in the lead, and that would be the only thing I'd say, people would probably keep reading in Oklahoma City, if you say Oklahoma football, Oklahoma State football, Thunder basketball, Russell Westbrook. I mean, there are just <laughs> certain subjects. That basically, if that was my lead, you know, Russell Westbrook, period, end of paragraph. Like, people would keep reading. And, you know, so that's, you know, I know that. But at the same time, there are also some things that I'm going to write about that people may not be all that uh, predisposed to read. Um, I wrote something earlier this week about the CTE um, sort of jumping off point from the CTE study that was released last week, um, the big study that had 202 brains and 87, I think-ish percent of them showed signs of, you know, not a perfect study, but I think it, you know, highlighted an issue that we continue to gain understanding is a big one in the sport of football. But that's, if you start talking about study numbers and, you know, medical terms and things like that, people may not necessarily want to stick with you because either they think they've heard it all about CTE and they don't really, you know, don't need anything else or they're just not that interested in, you know, hanging through 
long medical jargony sorts of things. I decided to start that column. You got to get to that other stuff, but I decided to start that column with a personal anecdote about um, when my daughter was born, we thought we were going to have a boy. And then we went into our first ultrasound to actually be able to see what we were having. And and it was a girl. And, you know, we had basically kind of through a lot of, you know, mental hurdles to think, you know, I think we're gonna have a a boy because, you know, we've got families of boys and different things. And um, so it was surprising that we were having a girl. But one of my first reactions as somebody in sports was, I'm kind of glad I don't have to have the football conversation with my kid. And, you know, I don't usually write personal stuff, but I thought that that was ultimately what I got into was the idea that I think should be off the table until kids are in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea that repetitive uh, head trauma is one of the leading parts of the CTE problem. It's not sort of the, those massive hits. It's that you're repeatedly having your head run into, you know, hundreds of times during any given football season. And, you know, I think about, you know, I've got a five-year-old, you know, you've got a, a, a little one. And I just can't imagine, like, letting my kid go to a sports practice where I know that that's, that's the reality. And I get that there's equipment and safety and people looking out for them, but they're so young, you know, that, that, you know, those youngest ages on up until high school, it's not a fail safe, but I think if you did away with it, it could make a huge difference in some of these numbers we're seeing, uh, play flag football, do some other things, learn the game, just don't hit each other until those brains are better developed in the and the safety factor is raised in high school, I think. So um, it felt like, considering that I was going to be writing about what parents are going through and those decisions that they're making, that felt like a good way to get into it. That wasn't, you know, last week's CTE study, blah, 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 that, mm-hmm. you know, sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher before too awful long. So, you know, I think you do have to have to think about how am I going to engage my reader and keep pulling them along because we all know people are busy, and if you give them a reason to stop reading, there's a good chance they will. And probably, and, I would I would imagine the fact that you don't uh, write a lot of personal stuff kind of makes it, as a writer, that more effective when you do bring it in. So it's not like people glossing over or writing about your personal life again. Like, hey, this is, right. it, it's kind of like that, you know, save your bullets, and then when you really need them, you use them. That's a terrible analogy. But, um, but that kind of idea that, that you don't use it a lot, then it's a little more powerful when you do. I'm wondering how much how you balance out kind of what you were talking about the the topics you can always write about you know uh, Russell Westbrook what's going on with the Thunder the football teams out there with some of the other kind of non non super popular stuff like the granny the like the uh, women of a certain age column which I loved about the uh, the uh, the old ladies playing basketball that was delightful so how do you balance out what you're gonna write about and when you choose to to write about you know, the thing you know people are going to read versus the the stuff that doesn't have that instant appeal. Yeah, I, you know, I, I refer to it as off Main Street topics. You know, yeah. there's there's a, you know, sort of the, the super highway of sports topics in any given, you know, market. I mean, whether it's Oklahoma City, New York City, you know, Los Angeles or, you know, wherever, there are sports that are, that are going to tick a lot of people's boxes because they're fans. But then you've got other topics that, you know, I think come into our 
our uh, our orbit that we get interested by and we think other people might get interested by them. And, you know, I do think it is a balancing act. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to, um, you know, I try not to go any one way all the time because, frankly, I get bored by that. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, I think that a lot of times it does to the first thing you look at is, you know, is there news that dictates we do a certain thing? Um, today, uh, I'm, I was already going to be working on, speaking of Russell Westbrook, a column about Russell Westbrook and this massive mega super deal extension he can do this summer that he hasn't done yet. But then we found out yesterday late uh, in the he was flying back to Oklahoma City. There was some thought maybe he was coming back to sign this extension. We've since been told that he's not expected to sign it on this trip, which doesn't mean that it's not expected at all. It's just that it's not going to happen right now. So it, it sort of adds to this, you know, the news cycle of it and adding, you know, the the uh, commentary and the context to it beyond what our our writers are going to write about him coming back to Oklahoma City, um, apparently just an off-season trip to, to train or to check in or whatever mega superstars in the NBA do in their off-season. I have no idea. <laughs> but, you know, I saw top of the list for me when I think about topics is, is news. So something is big enough, you know, everything else gets dropped and we go a different direction towards news. But then I think second, you the, you know, for me, it is a balance. And I do try to, you know, have something that's maybe a little bit unexpected, quirky, different, um, you know, throw one of those in every once in a while. Being the time of year that it is right now, we're sort of in a lull for actual live sports. We've got a lot of football practices going on. We've got, you know, some NBA whatever going on, but we don't actually have any live sports going on very much. So right now is a really good time. Um, I probably, you know, when I look at the grand total of things, I'm going to have more off Main Street things coming down the pipe, you know, until late August. Um, but you know, once, even once football season starts, once thunder season starts, I still try to layer in one, you know, something unexpected, um, one time every, you know, 10 days to two weeks, there's not any hard and fast rule, but you know, I think that's something that I really like. It keeps me engaged. It keeps me entertained with what I'm doing. And I think that makes my writing and you know in the big picture better and then i think it adds something different to our sports section um and and so that's that's a personal that's a you know it, it's a personal um interest but then that i think adds to what we give our readers which you know is a reflection of diversity of interests and personalities and things on our staff because we have other people that are you know equally entertained by things that aren't necessarily sort of main street topics on their beat. And so we get a chance to mix it up a little bit and do different things. But for me, that's, that's sort of how I look at it. Um, you know, news comes first. And then after that sort of find a good balance that, that throws something that throws readers a curveball, delights them and excites them. And, you know, is unexpected when it does. I think that's always fun. 
How do you find your off Main Street pieces? So I'm like looking at the uh, the women of a certain age granny basketball column, and I'll have a link to this in show notes for the episode. Uh, so how do you like, like? Can I walk through that process? How do you find out about this, and then how do you go about turning it into a column? So that was actually one that just landed in my inbox, and you know anybody that's been in newspaper or media of any kind for a while, you know that your inbox gets flooded with all sorts of random, you know, press releases and different stuff. And this actually came release. And um, lots of times I find that, you know, I'm a lot more intrigued when somebody writes a personal email. So it's, it's interesting that this one, I took time to look at it because lots of times I see press release type emails and, you know, I'll read a couple words and, you know, generally junk it because I figure I'm just on one of the blast lists that somebody has constructed and they've sent out 5,000 of these emails and it's not really meant for me. But I read through this for whatever reason, I think just because, you know, the idea that there's a bunch of women who are ages 50 to 85 are going to get together and have a basketball tournament kind of piqued my interest. I thought that was, I mean, anytime you've got 85 year olds running around playing basketball, <laughs> you know, there's That's there's cool. something there's something looked at there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean it's cool. So, um, but it ended up that the more I read, the gal that sent the email, you know, lots of times you get emails from people that are you know NPR firms or whatever. She was actually a player, and she ended up being the player that I wrote about because she was from Oklahoma. So it, like I said, if she emailed me personally and not sort of in a um, uh, you know press release style form, I might have jumped on it even quicker than I did. And I jumped on it pretty quick. Anyway. But um, yeah, I mean, sometimes they, they come that way. You can't, I guess that's a reminder to me and, and everybody to not disregard every, you know, last press release that hits your email. Sometimes there are some good things in there, so don't delete them all right away. <laughs> but, you know, I think I, I just try to keep as many um, ideas cobbled away as I possibly can. Ones that come to me from email unsolicited, ones that I hear, you know, just in conversations, talking to people. And I think lots of times just getting out and, you know, talking to people, not necessarily in an interview style, but just being out in the community, being um, engaged with what people are talking about, you know, and if you hear something that, you know, sort of raises a flag in your mind, making note of it, maybe that's not the 100% of the story you might do, but it might lead you to something. I, I think that that's, um, I think that's important is to always be curious and always be, you know, willing to, you know, jot something down that, you know, stays in a, a file that, you know, has story ideas and might never come out. I mean, it might never get out of there, but, you know, who knows, maybe one day, you hear a second piece of something and it reminds you that, oh, yeah, I, I heard about I heard about that. You know, maybe maybe that is something that, you know, we need to do. Um, so it's different things, a lot of different um, avenues. You know, I I like to work in our office. There are different people that have different ways they they operate when it comes you know, working at home, working outside the office, you know, sort of sequestering themselves away and get work done. I get all that. I, I do. I, I use all of those different methods myself from time to time. But I like to come in the office, too, because we have, you know, people that come in on a regular basis and we'll just get talking about sports and we'll get talking about different. T- and it, you know, lots of times 
what we're talking about might be half-baked, but there might be nuggets within those that if you sat down, thought about it, reported it out, looked at it, it might actually be something that, you know, would be worth putting in the newspaper. So, you know, lots of times just listening and being curious and, you know, being willing to, um, you know, explore different ideas. It may not lead anywhere. It might lead to something great. Um, you know, you, you, I think just being willing to, uh, you know, sort of have have those ears and eyes always always on, I think, is, is a really important thing when it comes to finding those, you know, off Main Street topics. You mentioned the importance of the community, and it's, it's something I've been thinking about a lot in writing lately, is the importance of place within writing. And I've talked about this on the show before. I've talked about it with our mutual friend, Mike Vaccaro, about what makes a good New York story. We've talked with my friend, Mike mm-hmm. Sielski, about what makes a good Philadelphia story. And I'm wondering, what makes a good Oklahoma story? <laughs> if you can have football, a tornado, and uh, a, some sort of military appreciation, those three <laughs> things would tick practically every major box. No, I'm kidding. It's true, though. And now we have we have this earthquake phenomenon. So maybe it's tornado slash earthquake. One or the other would, uh, would, would get you there. Yeah, you know, I... Different places. You're exactly right. Different places have different different feels, different um, sensibilities. Um, not to say that you know people are still people. People still have emotions and feelings, and you know I think those things are oftentimes consistent. You know wh- whether you're in you know New York or Philadelphia or Oklahoma City, but you know just the way that you know people here are is is probably different. It's slower. It's, um, you know, it's, it's probably more, I'm actually sitting here looking out a window at our office and there are two guys right outside my window who pretty sure don't know each other, both getting parking and doing stuff and talking and laughing. And I mean, these two guys don't know each other, but that's just the, (laughs) that's just the kind of place Oklahoma city is, is that saying we all go around saying hi to each other. But, you know, I think there's a, I think there's a friendliness. I think there's a, um, you know, sort of a, a, a positive, feel-good family vibe here. And so I think that, you know, we probably, you know, like I wrote a story. Um, well, I've written a couple different stories um, over the last, say, you know, few years here that um, have had pretty significant, you know, uh, religious undertones to them because, or not even undertones, lots of times they were about an athlete's faith or how that played into their situation. And there are probably some places in the country where that might be a little bit skittish because, you know, um, it's just not a topic you you broach a lot because people are maybe a little more diverse in their religious views or where they're coming from on that. Oklahoma's, you know, vastly Christian state, not saying it's good, not saying it's bad. It just is. And so I think stories of faith tend to be looked at, you know, maybe a little differently. So, you know, I think you have to know sort of where, um, you know, where people are, where your readers are. Sometimes you're going to do stuff that doesn't resonate with them, um, you know, and you're going to have to tell stuff that they may not want to hear. I think that's anywhere. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, I think that, you know, it, it probably is, uh, slightly different, um, when you look at how, 
you know, an Oklahoma story would look as opposed to somewhere else. I mean, I think we're still going to be um, hard on people that need to be, you know, we need to be hard on, but I think that there's probably um, a sensibility that, you know, maybe a little bit different when it comes to, you know, how you treat people, friendliness, um, camaraderie, all that sort of thing. I don't know if that answers the question very well, but, but um, it is probably based on just sort of the the pace of life and, um, you know, some of those perspectives that people bring to the table. And how much of a challenge was it for you? I know you're not from Oklahoma. So how much of a challenge yeah. was it for you to kind of, I mean, I, I, you grew up in Kansas, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. So, I mean, it's, not, di- it's different, but it's not like coming from New York City to Oklahoma or something like that. So it's a little more, a little, I, I'm guessing I could be, you know, being a, an East Coast liberal here, but it might be, it seems like it's probably similar-ish. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely more similar than different. Um, probably a little bit. It, it's funny. There's actually a recent debate about what is Oklahoma in terms of are we Southern? Are we Midwestern? Are we Southwestern? What are we? And I think we're all of that, actually, because I grew up sort of in the northern part of Kansas, which definitely I, I would say is Midwest. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But Oklahoma is kind of Midwest. It's kind of Southern, but it's not all Southern because I've been to the South and we're not the South and we're kind of Southwest, but we're not totally Southwest. It's really, I mean, it is sort of a hybrid of a lot of things. And it, it was a little bit of a challenge, you know, and I think, I think there's obviously, you know, you're, you're not from Oklahoma. Um, when for me, I, you know, was coming onto the sports page to write about sports and I'm a woman. And so, you know, some people are predisposed to think that's just not possible. Um, (laughs) and then then you add the fact that I'm not a born and bred Oklahoman and, you know, good grief, people are, you know, ready to, to throw me off a building. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I think it was, it was tough and, you know, it did take some adjustment. You do have to learn. I think you have to learn your, you know, you have to learn your area. You have to come to know what people care about. You have, you know, as we were talking before about deciding what, what are you going to, what are you going to pick and choose from, you know, if it, it's, if we're if we're looking at you know a couple ideas and we can write about you know Oklahoma quarterbacks if that's one of our options that's probably our default setting because we know that that's something people mm-hmm. are about in our state so you have to sort of learn you know you have to learn some of those sorts of things and and I think that that definitely holds with trying to to really grasp um, you know what uh, you know what you're dealing with in terms of um, you know, uh, culture, you know, approach, personality of a place, um, all of those sorts of things. I mean, I think a lot of those different things come into place. And, you know, when you talk about the personality of Oklahoma, I mean, this is, that, you know, has been through a lot. I mean, and well-documented, whether it's been the Dust Bowl, whether it's been the oil crash, whether it's been the bombing, tornadoes. I mean, it, it, you know, it's this state has has had a lot of things happen. And I think people also see that all those things have happened. And yet we're still here. Um, we're still growing. Um, Oklahoma City. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Oklahoma City now is not the city I moved to um, almost two decades ago. I mean, it has changed so much. I feel like I've moved to a different city with 
about leaving. And that doesn't happen in a lot of places. I think there's sort of a quiet confidence um, among people in Oklahoma that, you know, believe that good stuff is happening or that, you know, good stuff can happen or will continue to happen. But I've always found a way in the past. And so there's this, this belief that that's, there, there's just going to be a way to, to get that done. What's the best thing you've read lately? Oh, my goodness. Um, wow. You know, I, I've i taken a real uh, active role as our summer uh, vacations have been going with um, really diving into a lot of our copy here and uh, stuff, but I've really taken time to, to dig into some stuff that our people have written, um, front-end editing stuff, and we've got some really talented people here. I'm really lucky mm-hmm. to work with the people I work with edit and they really um, are talented Um, but um, you know I actually went back and reread thing um, just here in the last couple days Um, I'm working on a a piece uh, I think I think for the weekend about Des Bryant and there was a role I knew about from a couple years ago it's probably it's probably three-ish years old, two-ish years old, I don't remember, about Des Bryant, who played at Oklahoma State before he went on to, you know, mega stardom with the Dallas Cowboys. I had not, either if I'd read this Rolling Stone piece or if I hadn't, or if I had, I'd forgotten it. I went back and read it, and, um, I mean, phenomenal. I actually can't remember who wrote it, but I think, you know, I was talking earlier about that balance between the writing and the reporting, and, you know, just an unbelievably detailed, um, you know, piece of reporting. Uh, everything from you know interviews, um, depositions, uh, documents, just all sorts of stuff that was. I mean, it was so well researched. But then to have the ability to take the research and put it into a story that you know, it was really captivating, um, told the story of a guy that, I mean, I knew a lot of his story already, but I think to, you know, the, the mark of a great story, uh, well, one of the marks is you, you know, you might have to be telling people they already know, but keep them reading. And I didn't want to stop reading because even though I knew some of the details that he was talking about, there was other stuff that was really, wow, it was compelling. So I think that was a really strong, you know, reminder of, uh, of the power of reporting, but then you got to be able to, to really write that story that you have in your notebook. And, uh, I thought they did a great job with that. It was outstanding. Awesome. Jenny, if people want to find you and read more of your stuff, where can they find you? Well, uh, I'm of course on Twitter as is everybody. I think, um, my Twitter handle is Jenny, J E N N I Carlson, C A R S. L-S-O-N underscore OK, and I post a lot of my stuff there. And then our website is newsok.com, N-E-W-S-O-K.com, and you can go on to our sports section. We've got uh, a link there for my stuff down towards the bottom of our homepage, and um, we load all my uh, columns and different stuff on there. So if people want to see, that'd be awesome. And you are a consummate journalist spelling out every word, so I appreciate that. As somebody that's got the weird first name spelling, (laughs) I know how that goes. (laughs) Uh, Jenny, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for uh, joining me today. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate you.